Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, but you're going to turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Friday night, some of the nights, we're going to really get into the Word, and we're teaching the Word with revelation Holy Spirit's given me because He's preparing a people to receive an apostolic outpouring. How many would like to be part of the apostolic outpouring? How, How many are really ready to see great miracles in your life and to really see God's power and to really see God reveal who He is, and we are free enough to know that we want him to have the glory. It's not because of what we want. It's not like a, you know, um, won't this be good for me? Lord, what do you want? And how do we glorify you? So there's been a lot going on in the body of Christ these days. So go with me to second Peter. We're going to start with second Peter. I don't know how much of that we're going to get to tonight. And I'm not in a gigantic hurry. 2 Peter 1, this letter is from Simon Peter, a loving servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you want that to include you. You want to be someone that has faith as equally precious as the faith that Peter had. So when he's writing this letter, let me see what he write. Let me see what it says in the, the um, King James. A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So he knew he was writing this letter to people who walked in a lot of faith. So I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people who can read this really heavy-duty letter that he's writing here in Second Peter, because he's going to correct things, he's going to deal with things, and he goes, you know, this letter is to those who have obtained this precious faith. They really trust God and believe him in his word. And it talks about that they understand that their righteousness is because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Jesus Christ has gotten us into right position with God. And now to stay righteous, I just have to stay in his will. Right where he wants me to be. With you guys all being here on a Friday night, you're probably pretty righteous. It's like, Lord, this is where you want me to be. So he goes on. He says, may grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So this is the kind of prayer we can pray over our families. This is the kind of prayer we should be praying over our own lives. We should be asking God, Lord, I want the grace and perfect peace to flow over me because I've decided to live in rich knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. I want to know my God. 
I want to really know God. I want to live in the revelation of who Jesus is. I don't want just head knowledge. I don't want just, I've read this in the Bible. I want a living relationship with God. I want true knowledge. And that word knowledge has to do with really knowing in a personal way. And the whole church has got to come in. That's why we have to get free from uh, doctrines such as the covering doctrine that says that you get to know Christ, that the, there's a five-fold special people who get to know Christ, and then you kind of serve them or carry their books or do whatever. And, and truthfully, this whole thing is about connecting people to the headship of Jesus Christ, connecting people into a real relationship with God. And so he's talking here, he says, let there be grace and perfect peace that will come over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So your peace is going to get stronger and stronger. It's going to be perfected. It's going to overshadow all your problems. It's going to take you through whatever you're going through. And what's the key? The key is having knowledge of God, really having knowledge of God. So, um, I'm going to go to the living, living translation. Grace to you, peace be multiplied by a full knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. How many wants peace multiplied? We had someone yesterday who the Lord had me come in to heal a brokenhearted place. And um, it was from a vow they made as a child when they were in a very scary situation. And they had just never realized that that vow had... You know, when you make an inner vow, you're going to lose your peace. You're going to have torment. Because what happens when I make a vow, and I'm basically telling, I'm actually saying something against God and who he is, and, and then a spirit's going to come on that and have some control in my life and have control to torment and to take away my peace. Because, for example, this person had said something because their childhood was so difficult they said, it was kind of like, I wish I had never been born. And one of the other things that they said was um, that they did not want to have children because they never wanted to hurt a child the way they were hurt. And so those things have really begun to attack them and to attack their relationships. And so when God is like ready to really set you free, like God's ready to set you free, but when you're ready for God to set you free, this lack of peace is an understanding that God is dealing with me. Don't ignore when you don't have peace. Right? Don't ignore when you don't have peace. If you've had peace and all of a sudden you don't have peace, something's wrong. And God wants to multiply um, peace to you. He wants to multiply grace, that, that power, that supernatural um, presence and power of God to bring all the promises, everything he's told you, everything he's sent his word to you. And peace, he wants it multiplied. And it gets multiplied when you have a full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So when, when that person as a child said, I wish I'd never been born, they're getting the wrong knowledge of God. They're getting the wrong knowledge of what we're here for it. And I remember as the Lord had me pray over that person, it was so powerful because the Lord said, no matter 
how horrible your life is based on what the enemy's done, based on things that have been set up against you. If you find Jesus Christ because you were born and you find Jesus Christ, you have eternity forever, thousands and thousands and millions and billions of years with God, with powerful worship, with joy unspeakable and full of glory, with every need being met and beyond, beyond anything in your best day, you've not gotten close to what it's going to be like. And so the Lord is saying, wait a minute, don't buy that lie that would be better you were never born. Because if you were never, if I, if God had never chose to give you life, you could never choose to have eternal life. That's going to be beyond anything you could think, ask, or imagine. That's why I personally don't agree with revelations of going to heaven and seeing things that are so earthly, so worldly, and absolutely nothing close to being beyond anything that I could ask or think. The, if I'm going to talk about heaven, I need to talk about it from what the word of God says about it. I need to, what, what would it, what would I be talking about if I was talking about heaven and I had a full knowledge of God and I had a full knowledge of Jesus Christ, then I would have a revelation of the throne room. I would have the revelation of this holy, holy, holy God. That's so powerful that even after who knows how many, at least 2000 years for the elders, right? They're still can't look up hardly and they're crying holy and the angels are all around and the power of God is everywhere. And it's so much better than anything we can imagine. I don't want heaven to be like this world. I want heaven to be what God has planned for it to be as our reward. And, and so if I'm going to have a revelation as, as a uh, prophetic person or just as a believer and visions, then I need to begin to understand, are they biblical? And is this, is this bringing me into full knowledge of God, the father and of Jesus Christ, the Lord? Do I, do I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the father ever praying and interceding for us down here? Yeah, I, if I'm going to go to heaven, I want to sit there and be a part of this powerful intercession of God praying. I want to see the cloud of witness. I want to see the people who've gone before us, who are cheering us on and praying for us and crying out for us as they fall down on their face saying, glory, holy are you, God. I want to see the angels being released through the prayers of the saints. I want to see what the Bible really tells me about heaven. And I don't want to buy anything less than, and I don't want to buy anything that comes from the flesh. I don't want to buy anything that comes out of a spirit of lust, um, greed, anything else. And, and I just want to encourage this as those, he's talking now to people with faith that Peter had, a true apostle, with faith of someone who had failed, who, who had betrayed God, who was so humbled and yet used so mightily by God. Someone who had seen Jesus face to face. And he's telling us here, we can come. We will have grace and peace multiplied if we come to the full knowledge 
of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because it says God there, and of Jesus Christ, the Savior. So that's something we should pray for. If we really want to become those people who walk in a place with great grace and amazing peace, how many know we need peace in this day? We don't need a counterfeit. We need real peace. We need peace that comes from this kind of full knowledge of God. So this is a powerful thing you can pray over your life. This is a powerful thing to pray over this church. This is a powerful thing to pray over the church. And this is a powerful thing to pray if you see anyone who's getting off, showing an immaturity, whatever you want to call it, that shows a worldliness that the enemy can be releasing to keep people from having grace and peace multiplied. All right, as his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of the one calling us through glory and virtue, by which means he has given to us the very great and precious promises, so that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption in the world by lust. I'm going to go read that in Brian Simmons' translation of the, the Passion and, and just, I, I've met Brian Simmons. I went to Israel with him. And he is a scholar. And, and he's giving, everything he's interpreted comes from some history and depth of things that he knows from being a, a biblical scholar, plus someone who really loves the Lord. So that's why I kind of like to hear how he's interpreted some of these things, right? So he says, 2 Peter 1.3, everything we could ever need for life and a complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. I kind of encourage you guys to get the, the Passion Translation. Anything that's being so persecuted is usually God. The same people are okay with the message translation, which, you know, it's kind of says things in the today language, but how about where it actually goes into the depth of the heart of God and still interprets, and I've checked almost everything up against the King James and the Strongs, not that I'd even compare my gifting there to Brian Simmons, but at the same time, let's quit fighting over this stuff. Because some people are going to understand this. But everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. So everything you need, everything you need to go deeper in God, everything you know to be a minister of reconciliation, everything you know to walk into the calling on your life, everything you know to win, everything you know to overcome, everything you need, is already inside of you because it's the Holy Spirit. It's the divine nature of God is inside of us. And if we can get to this understanding that this isn't about me trying to do something or trying to be somebody or trying to know something, this is more completely about me yielding myself to the Holy Spirit who's already inside of me and his divine nature flowing through me and let him take over leading me his sons and daughters, the sons and daughters will be led by the Holy Spirit. And that becomes a reality. I'm going to live pretty peaceful, aren't I? 
I'm going to walk in pretty much grace. It doesn't say he's going to only take me to places that are going to be easy on my flesh. Actually, he likes to crucify the flesh. He actually doesn't want us to bind itchy ear preaching because it makes our flesh feel good. At the same time, I want truth. So I don't want to go to an extreme. I'm going to suffer, suffer. And I don't want to go to an extreme. Everything's going to be great and wonderful. I'm going to just walk this out. And if things, if I'm being hit by things, then I know a God and his divine nature is going to cause me to overcome. And if I'm called to be an overcomer and I'm called, and especially it talks about it in, I think, uh, Second John or one of the, but it talks about to the young men and you will overcome the evil one. Well, that means you're not even going to get to the place where God sees you as a mature believer, as a mother or father, until you've overcome the evil one. We have people calling themselves apostles, calling themselves prophets, who've never overcome the evil one yet. So if, if we want to mature, it's kind of a promise in those scriptures. We'll get to those later, but you can go read them. And he says, young men which means men or women, young people, you will overcome, you've overcome the evil one. You've overcome the evil one. So God doesn't even see you beyond that young person until you overcome the evil one. Not that I've overcome, not that people in the Bible overcame, not that people that you read their books overcame, you are to overcome. So if I've got to overcome the evil one, it kind of sounds like he's going to be allowed to give me something to overcome. And that's why it's called the good fight of faith. So we want the real. We don't want to be poor me, suffering and beat up all the time. But I don't want to be that all I'm thinking about is money and, um, and mansions and boats. and I mean, that whole thinking seriously, is so worldly that, that it's not even, that it's really seriously worldly. But the other is so, poor me, beat up. Look how, what I'm doing for God. So I, I want the real. I want to be an overcomer. Which means I'm okay with going through trials that I have to overcome. I'm even going to count them joy. But I'm not going to ask for them, right? <laughs> you don't have to. The enemy has got enough stuff already planted in you and planted around you to come and give you a trial that you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit to overcome because of the divine nature that's in you. Everything you could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. I want you to kind of get this. Everything that you need to be a godly parent is already inside of you when you say yes to Jesus and Holy Spirit comes in. Everything you need to be a powerful man of God, a powerful woman of God, a wonderful wife, a great husband, everything you need to be successful and everything you put your hand to, the Bible says, is already inside of you. 
So we need to start from the revelation that because the divine nature of God is in me and Holy Spirit is in me, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. We need to come from the revelation. We don't need to build ourselves up in, in the hype and the stuff that the world tries to counterfeit, right? We need to really sit down sometime and just hang out with Holy Spirit. Talk to Holy Spirit. Bring him into everything. If you're having a situation with your marriage, in your job, in this church, with your kids, with your grown kids. How about talking to Holy Spirit? How about recognizing everything you need to overcome has already been deposited in you? Isn't that good news? So I'm not fighting from a disadvantage when I'm fighting in faith. I'm fighting from a revelation that I've already won this. Now I just have to let the devil know I know it. I have to let the devil know I know. The devil is not going to win in my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You'll never see the righteous begging bread. Scripture. So you have to know what he says, but then you have to realize... I don't, I don't need to, I'm not going to get into manipulation, witchcraft, counterfeit stuff. I'm going to cut, I'm going to walk in this full knowledge of Jesus Christ and the father and well, who God is, God is father, son, and Holy spirit. I'm going to understand my God led by Holy spirit. And I already have everything I need. I want everybody to say, if you, I think everybody in here is born again. And those who are watching, if you're born again, say, I already have everything I need, everything I need. For life and to be completely devoted to God. You already have it. Quit trying to get it. Quit begging God for it. Just take authority over the enemy who has blocked it from you, lied to you, convinced you otherwise. You're not fighting to get God's attention. You're not fighting to get God to bless you. You are fi you're fighting the enemy who's trying to steal from you. You have to look at it more like if you're in your house and you're fully armed and someone comes through those doors to steal from you, you're going to back them out of your house. You're going to call the authorities. And now if they're really coming to steal the life from your kids or the life. They're going to be in big trouble if they don't leave. And you can see how the enemy is trying to play with this in our, in our nation to make people afraid to walk in the authority that you have. But I want you to see in the spirit realm, you have the authority. They cannot come in and arrest you for taking authority over the devil. Aren't you glad we don't fight in the natural? We fight in the spirit realm. You have authority. Okay, you have authority. You're fighting from victory. You're not fighting for victory. But we, we want it real, and I'm not going to get into all that tonight, but we want it to be real. And the only way it's real is when it's the divine nature in me that's already been placed in me when I got born again. When that nature gets to come forth and bust through my flesh and bust through my fallen human nature, when that nature comes through, then I am someone who's been divinely anointed by God, divinely anointed by God to overcome and to take authority. 
And what happens when we overcome is God gets the glory. Now, we got to get our motives right. We need to recognize God wants you healed. God wants your children healed. God wants you to never be uh, without what you need. He wants you to be able to be a giver. He wants you taken care of. Even when the whole world's crazy, he wants you to have peace. That passes all understanding. He wants you to overcome because he loves you, but he deserves the glory. He deserves the glory. It's not about so you can have a poster with your name on it and or a book and all the things you've done. And so we've got to let Holy Spirit deal with these mixtures. All right. Second Peter 1, 3. Go on. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come into him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. I'm going to read this in the literal as his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of the one calling us through glory and virtue, by which means he has given to us the very great and precious promises so that through these you might be partakers of his divine nature, escaping from the corruption in the world by lust. The word lust means appetites. Lust means the very things God gave us really as gifts, the very things he gave us to enjoy, the very things he gave us, you almost want to say they're like wonderful gifts, uh, surprises. Satan, when the fall of man came, Satan wants those and he makes them lust. So where there's supposed to be this awesome um, intimacy between a husband and a wife and a closeness that's just amazing, that produces children, which are a powerful gift from the Lord and this wonderful life. And just like when you eat, it's to help your body and bring nutrition, but it's to taste good. And, and just like, so, so all these different things that God has given us to bring us pleasure, Satan tries to get in charge of those things. That's called lust. But the divine nature of God, the being born again, God inside of us, we can be free from those lusts. And we need to pray for our kids. We need to pray. We live in a culture where all, everything they hear, you can't even pump gas and they make you pump gas. They don't pump it for you anymore. So you have to, as soon as you, undo, all of a sudden that little sign comes on, it's like your, your gas machine has just gone crazy and it's singing some this and that and showing you sandwiches to come get or go buy this or some song you don't even want to hear. It's like you can't even tune it out. And our children... And, your, and our grandchildren are living in a world where it is constantly bombarded with lustful things to bring the appetite of perversion. And, and we're fooling ourselves if we don't realize we need to, we need Holy Spirit to get a hold of our youth. We need that divine nature in our children in a real way. And we need to pray that there, we need to have the Lord show us where were they hurt by things in the church? Where were they hurt by anything they've ever seen? What have they mocked? And we're going to, all this is when we get into this whole Peter thing, this is in there. Lord, we want to see them healed from this. We want to see them set free from this. Show us any part of not making this divine walk with you. Um, how fun, it, how awesome it really is. I remember the enemy's just hitting them all the time with how silly this is and mocking and all this kind of stuff. All right. I want, you know, when we minister to people, we have to walk in holiness. We have to walk free and in holiness. 
And so right now, from what the statistics are saying, there is a lot of men in the church who have an issue with pornography. So they, the enemy has attacked that area of appetite and passion and brought lust. And yet they're sitting there talking to the children, talking to the teens, talking to the men's group, doing the counseling. And, and it's like, they have to stop. And they've got to get free and recognize everything I need to be free from lust is already inside of me. And I've got to choose it. And I've got to repent for every door that's opened, every counterfeit, everything that's there. So God wants us to deal with the corruption in the world that lust has produced. And so as we're going to lead, we're watching people fall. We're seeing a nation with so much filthy things. And truthfully, we've got to repent and get this lust out of our own hearts. And think about how much Satan has saturated our children and grandchildren with lustful, lustful thoughts, even now trying to start in, you know, elementary school. And we can't just act as if they can handle this. You know how they can handle this? With the divine nature of God. I just want to encourage those who are watching, those here with children and grandchildren, you need to quit being shy about it. You need to talk about God, talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about the power of God and pray with your kids. The only way that they can handle the amount of lust that's being thrown at them all the time, according to God's word, is because of his divine nature in them. We need to see the children baptized in the Holy Spirit in kindergarten, in nursery school. We need more people signing up and say, you know what, I'm going to go. I want to do nursery. I want to be, I want to pray for those kids this week. I want to be part of that and pray for the youth leaders and pray for the nursery leaders. You know, when you watch the world coming at the kids at the ages of three, then we need, the church needs to wake up and say, Ooh, we, we're, we're missing it. We should be the ones making sure they know God. That's the ages when my kids ran around and prophesied over people and laid hands on people and, and did these things. But we want to pray and ask the Lord to help us get free from whatever, any way they've been hurt by it, any way they've been mocked by it, any, whatever, what got in to, to make them think that's not cool? Probably persecution. But we need to start praying into these things. If, if we're going to really move in the apostolic, we want, and we don't want the pretended stuff. We don't want the hurt, wounded people who still have lustful things going on, but they can act spiritual and try to impress their parents or try to impress a path. Their identity needs to be in Christ. So we need to really be praying about how do we preach this to the kids? How do we minister this to the kids? How do we start? You know what? We need to really be praying. You know, we do a Friday night prayer meeting. We need to pray for people to write these books that parents can read to their kids. We need to pray that the church wakes up and begins to minister in these areas of how to reach these children with, with more powerful revelation about who God really is. And I know a lot of churches are doing it. A lot of places are doing this. But you have to realize as they're being so bombarded with the world, we can't just sit back and play church as usual. We have to seriously get in there and pray for these kids. And it's very difficult 
if you don't see them and they're already too cool for God by the time they come into a church at junior high. And we need to have open discussions with them. We need to be serious to hear why, why does this bother you? Why, you know, and, and, and like I said, I, some of this I saw myself this week and um, I was really praying. God's been giving me a lot of scripture and things to do in her healing. And um, for those who are watching this later, go and find the inner healing conference that we're going to be doing. I'm uh, not inner healing, um, intercession conference that we're going to be doing in October. And I, I so encourage you to come because God is going to have us be, he's going to release an impartation and a revelation to help you to know how to speak a healing prayer over your children when they're not even there. How to watch Holy Spirit come. Because right now, if you talk to your kids about some of the stuff, how many know it, for some people it'd be like putting pearl before swine? And they're going to roll their eyes and like, I don't hear this anymore. Okay, so don't put pearl before swine. Let's just get them not being swine anymore. But then say, Lord, show me what to do. Show me, give me the scriptures. And he will, he will. And that's what he's showing me on this conference coming up. Um, it's October 22nd. The morning part is going to be towards praying powerful prayers of intercession that really do something for our children and for our families and for your grandchildren and, and, and how to go in the spirit to those hurt places in them and watch God heal them with them not even knowing what's going on. Now, if they're open to you doing it, you know, with you there, that's fine. But if not, I'm not letting any devil who's put blinders on my kids or who's made them mocking the things of God. That's not going to stop me because I go by the spirit. So we're going to, that's one of the things we're going to be doing at this conference. And those who are watching this later, because this will be put out on probably YouTube and on Facebook and different places, and it'll definitely be in our mentorship uh, teaching. They're going to want to go find that. So go. It's going to be. It's called intercession uh, conference, and find that and really learn how to move into that. It's going to be powerful. I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. And then in the afternoon, we're going to be praying for the nation. You're going to pray for finances, your businesses, economics, and all that kind of thing. And it's not going to, it's going to be really, you're going to be praying. He goes on, 2 Peter 1, 5. But also in this very thing, having brought in all diligence, having fully supplied in your faith virtue, and with virtue knowledge, and with knowledge self-control, with self-control patience, and with patience godliness, and with the godliness brotherly love, and with, bro with brotherly love love. They like long sentences back then, but we're going to look at each one of those things, but we're going to go look at them in the King James. So we can actually see what those words mean. Cause I want you to also to learn how to study, to be approved. How do I study this? I don't just la 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 words. I'm, I go and see what was he saying? So he's saying, if we get diligent, then we can add to our faith. What does diligence mean? It means we're going to have to spend some time on this. We're going to have to see this as important. We're going to have to really go after this. I seriously believe the enemy and the whole world has gotten people too busy. And then all the problems come, which keep you busy, which you could actually 
avoid a lot of them if you would learn to spend time with the Lord in diligence, diligently seeking him, diligently going after these things, diligently praying. So find in your schedules what you can quit doing so much of. Social media is probably one of them. Television may be one of them. Too much napping may be one of them. Just find the time to be diligent. And then prioritize. What do I need to, to be diligent about? Second Peter 1.5. So the word diligence means eagerness, carefully, earnestly, and speedily. So it means do this now. Quit putting off doing this. Go for this now. Okay? We're to add to our faith. Now faith, we have whole teaching on faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not yet seen. Faith, so faith is what you're believing God for, but it hasn't happened yet. Once it happens, you don't need faith anymore for it, okay? So faith is an actual substance of what has to be happening in the spirit realm that is going to bring forth what you have not seen, but you're earnestly expecting. So people who are in trials, you have to start with the ending. You have to start your trial with an end. If you don't have an ending that glorifies God, you're not, you're not believing. You, you, you're being lazy. So you need to see it the way God sees it. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. You just keep walking and believing. But you, some of you need to really shake off that you just accept it where you got to instead of getting to the point of really glorifying God or getting the victory or overcoming, right? So you start with faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, but not yet seen. So faith is what you're earnestly expecting. So you need to deal with your earnest expectation. When Satan wears you down because it is a long trial or it's a trial that's really huge, you need some major you know, creative miracles, some major things, things. I know like with my son's trial, because it was 16 years long, there was plenty of time to just settle. There was plenty of time to give up because it, the, the faster trials, you know, they're intense, but they're over quickly. But when he wants to add to that perseverance, the Holy Spirit's going to take you deeper and deeper. So you've got to get to be, I'm not going to give up. And some of you've given up. So you need to repent of that and you need to get, what does God want me to have that's going to glorify him? What will glorify him in this situation? Anybody, this ministry is amazing in that we do so much with so few people and somehow he pays all the bills. It's amazing. But the most amazing part is I still see the vision of what God's called me to do. And it's much bigger than anything we've gotten close to. We haven't hardly started if I was to be honest, we're just now starting. So how do you hold on to a vision for over 30 years that other people would think, well, who does she think she is? I don't really, he's put me through so much uh, death to self. I don't think I'm anybody. I think I had to get to the nobody status to recognize how big he is and what he's going to do. But I cannot let go of what he's placed in my heart to do and to see come to pass. And so you need to, you need to let God 
give you that faith because none of this works if you're not going to have faith. What you need faith for each of your children. You need hopeful. What am I expecting? Not what you're trying to make them into. What does God say that that child should do? What we give up, you know, we just give up, quit giving up. Cause how are you going to add to your faith? If you gave up on your faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing from God. So faith comes now when you're in those intense things, then you're always listening and we're helping some people walk through some really intense trials right now and cheering the, you know, like, come on, you, you listen for God. What is he saying? What's he showing you? What are the dreams? I, I want us to, to shake off the complacency because if we grow weary in good doing, and if I grow weary in how long this is taking, I lose. That's your biggest enemy. Weariness and being tired of it is the biggest thing that's going to make you lose the battle God's, uh, God's calling you to overcome. And even in that process, you're going to get closer to God. You're going to change. You're going to see promises. You're going to know who he is more and he's going to get the glory. All right. So we understand faith. You can go look at teaching. So we're going to add to that virtue. What is virtue? Excellence, valor. This one says manliness to be lift up, to get stronger. I think of virtue as muscles. You're going to add to your faith the muscle, the power behind what you're believing for. You're going to get strength. You're going to get boldness. You're going to get um, a power to do this. So, so you're going to add to your faith the muscle. How many know? Let's see, you, you, you have a vision to, to lose weight or something. And so in that, you can have that vision all you want. But until you add to that eager, that true expectation, even in the natural, you know good and well, you are not going to lose any weight until you really, 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 really have determined you're going to lose weight. And all of us know someone who lost a major amount of weight and really kept it off. And what was their big key? We don't have to keep spending billions of dollars to have the experts tell us. The real truth is, it's kind of in the same, in, in the natural, as it is about spiritual things. Faith is the substance of things expected, not yet seen. Well, in the natural, I really want to lose this weight or really want to be strong or really want to finish college or really want to, whatever your want to is, right, in the natural. But if you don't put any muscle behind it, nothing's going to happen. So add to your faith virtue. So virtue is muscle behind it. Virtue is what are you doing to see an increase in the power to see that happen? So you can say all you want, well, I really want to lose weight. I really want to be healthy. I really want that job. Or I really want this. And you guys heard me say this. Okay, what are you doing seriously to put virtue behind that. In other words, in the natural, what are you doing then? What are you changing, consistently changing, knowing that you're changing it? What are you doing? You know, you'll have heard me talk to some people here and they're, they have these dreams to be something, but they're not even getting educated. They're not even, you know, that's just, that's just pretended. That's just like there's pretended faith. There's, there's, 
this, this is the thing that makes people not listen to the church because we say things and we claim things and we were said, we're going to do these things and nothing ever happens. And it does not glorify God. But in the natural, you have to do something. So look at virtue as the thing you're adding to your faith. What am I doing to strengthen my faith? What am I doing to help make this happen? Does it make sense? You're, you're all looking at me like I'm not sure. Okay. How, how, for example, I would say adding virtue to my faith is Holy Spirit leading me to study something or read something. Like I, I just read a whole book on uh, the, the apostolic movement. Okay. So I'm seeing God using me in the apostolic movement. I'm seeing him using me to destroy some doctrines that are stopping people from having the full strength in Christ. I'm seeing these things. I've seen them for years. I've walked through things and I'm reading this book that I didn't even want to read before. And the, a lot of the things this person is saying, using scripture about apostles, I see God has had me work through that. I see what he's had me do. And boy, adding that virtue has taken years. So it's the doing something. It's the doing something. It's the, it's the doing the prayer time. It's the going on the mission trip. It's the talking to your child. It's the add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith where you're actually lifting a finger or a hand to do something. Put some real power behind it. Put some time behind it. Do something that's, um, don't be here only, but do a doer of the word, right? Okay. Then add to virtue, knowledge. All right, knowledge. This particular knowledge is to know, to be, to allow, to be aware of, to feel, to perceive that you can speak and to understand something. So this particular word of knowledge that he's talking about to add to. And let me go see what I want to, let's go see what the passion translation says. Cause I like what he says also. He says, devote yourself lavishly to supplementing your faith with goodness, with goodness at understanding. And to understanding at strength of self-control, to self-control at patient endurance, to patient endurance at godliness, to godliness at mercy towards your brothers and sisters, to mercy towards others, and then have unending love. Go back to this other one. So knowledge, or he says understanding. All right, I want you to see this. These are things you have to add. The reason I preach one little scripture so long is because it says so much. And unless I really let myself get into what is God saying to me and recognize, he, Peter's saying, look, if you have real faith, because he goes, I'm giving this message to people who have obtained this kind of faith, which to me, this isn't baby food. And he's saying, now, when you have faith, so if you don't have faith, you got to start there. But when you have faith, we're going to keep it going. It's going to build to something. You're going to put some muscle behind it. You're going to put some virtue behind it. You're going to spend time with God, getting empowered, whatever it takes to bring forth the power to add to that faith. 
And then in the natural, you can see the comparison, what that means in the, in the, to do in the natural. Now, knowledge. Knowledge is, is I've got to get understanding. I've got to understand God. I've got to understand how this works. I've got to look up scriptures. I've got to seek the Lord and know who he is and have knowledge of him. I need to add to my faith virtue, uh, which is some real understanding of power, some real spending time in the presence of God, really getting power. And then I need to get understanding. I need to understand this. I need Lord, what are we talking about when you say that you're a healer? What are we talking about when you say we're supposed to forgive? We have to let Holy Spirit lead us. Remember, he talked to the very, all this is already in us. This is all supernatural. This is all divine. So Holy Spirit, I want to understand you. I want to know your ways. When, um, and you've heard this, but when Lauren, my daughter died, and, and those who are hearing this for the first time get my book, Joy Comes in the Morning, but when she died, before her body was, I believe it was before her body was even removed from the yard because that took quite a few hours. But I remember saying to God, okay, I want to understand you. I, I don't even want to hear what other people have to say in their books. What happened? What is going on? I want to know your ways. Teach me your ways. And I began to get revelation and understanding from Holy Spirit because I was serious. I want to know what is supposed to be happening here. I don't want to change his word. I want to understand his word. See, I'm not God, thank God. And I don't get to decide how this works. No, none of your favorite teachers, prophets, apostles, whatever, get to decide how this works. No matter as much as they'd like to. It's already in the word how it works. And we have to see it. From God's perspective, we have to understand him. When God says to die is gain, then we can look at all the apostles all died prematurely or persecuted, except for John the Beloved, because I think God just had a pretty fun time not letting them kill him. And then we have to realize, well, they all died while serving God. Only one died of old age. Well, how does that line up with the doctrine I'm hearing preached here and there? Well, you've got to start with what does God say? To die is gain. Paul couldn't wait to be face to face with the Lord. He was totally not afraid to die. Completely, absolutely convinced and knew that he had a life that was in Christ and not like the world. People, we have, God is going to get his church back to that apostolic authority and power and understanding. And, and, and it's going to take um, letting go of stuff. And he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. So all he wants us to do is start to have understanding, start to have vision, start to have faith. Okay, Lord, and get out of fear. Okay, he says to add to our knowledge, temperance which is self-control. We need to start, you know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. What that means to me is when God says, don't say that, you don't say that. And when God says, don't think that, you quit thinking that. It's where yourself, the self part of you is under the control of the Holy Spirit. You don't do what you do. You don't do what you want to do when you want to do it because you want to do it. Now, he's basically saying, look, this is how maturity happens. This is why he goes, look, you've got to get real faith. You've got to add some real power in there. You've got to understand God deeper, layer by layer. And you've got to get to a place where then you need self-control. 
You'd think he'd say self-control first. He's, because he knows. No, until you have real faith, until you understand your God, until you start to see the power of God and how real this is and how powerful this is, you're going to want to just do what you want to do when you want to do it. But once you start doing all this, you've got to get self, it's self-control to not, um, to not say what you want to say. It's self-control to not pray when you want to pray, but God's not telling you to pray. It's self-control. In other words, he wants myself under his control. Okay. He says, now, when you get to that, where you yielded to Holy Spirit and he's in charge, add patience, cheerful endurance, consistency while you're waiting. Now, how many love that one? Because what does that mean? I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to control myself. I'm not going to be able to tell the doctor off or tell the or do what he's like. I want yourself under the control of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to get to such a place that you can patiently, cheerfully endure what you're going through because you trust God so much because you know, he's promised you because you're learning who he is because you're understanding his ways because you're seeing some of his power manifested because you're not in charge and you're okay with that because God's in charge. So some of the trials are not going to be over in five minutes. And that doesn't mean that you don't have faith. He's actually says you have faith to get to the point where he's telling you, Hey, we're going to take your faith. We're going to take your power. We're going to take, you know, how yielded you are to the Holy spirit. We're going to take your understanding of God. That's all getting deeper. But now we're going to stretch that out. Everybody looks so happy. Wait a minute. No, it's right here. This is Paul. Peter knew, right? Peter knew this. This is real apostolic teaching. Peter knew that we're going to add perseverance. I've added perseverance. I've walked there. I, I was telling somebody, it's okay to hate it. Your flesh is dying when you hate something that you're going through but you're still hanging on to God. You're still believing. You're not giving up. You're not letting go. You're going to see the victory. Your flesh is going to die. It's going to hate it. It's, it's pretended if you're going through a trial and you're cheerful, but you're in delusion that you're really in a real battle. He wouldn't be called the comforter if you didn't need comforting. And he wouldn't give the body of Christ the gift of encouragement if you weren't going to need to be encouraged. And when I talk with people now, as I help people walk through some really serious trials, I can tell. I can tell. It's like if they're like, oh, it's fine. And, and they're just saying scriptures and saying scriptures. But there's no depth to their relationship with God. There's, he's not really show. They're not listening to him to really see things. They're not persevering. They're not getting, I know they're not winning. And so you try to like help them to see how this is supposed to work and, and, and to learn through persevering. And one day I'll do a teaching on this. There's some trials going on in people's lives. Now, when we get to the other side, we're going to talk these out and we're going to just really show you how this works. Because I'm watching people walk through some of these persevering trials and they are, have the real thing and they're really hearing God and they're really having breakthrough. And you'd never know they were really going through such a serious trial because they're so full of joy. 
and those of us who've gone through a lot of serious trials in here, it's fun. Everybody laughs. Everybody has fun. Everybody's talking about God because it's real in the kingdom. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience. All those things are increased in our life that we really can endure all those things. We're adding all those things. They are fruit of the Holy Spirit. They are proof that we are not doing this with a self-help mentality. We are doing this with a sold-out-to-God revelation. And his divine nature is getting stronger in us. And it's already there. But as this flesh gets out of the way and these other things get out of the way, you begin to look like Christ. And you handle things like he did because it's his spirit, the same spirit that was in him. All right. So we're going to add to this patience, godliness. Holiness is one of the definitions here. Devotion. We're going to keep adding to this as we go after this and it's going longer and we're trusting God more and all these things are happening, guess what? We're going to begin to be holy. We're going to be those people who hate evil. We're going to learn to hate evil as we persevere. We're going to separate evil. We're going to get the evil out of our hearts led by Holy Spirit. We're going to have the victory. We're going to hate anything of the enemy. We're not going to participate in his stuff. We're going to see how evil it is and we're going to develop godliness. How cool is that? And to godliness, we're now going to get to brotherly kindness. And I really saw this a lot for me personally during the whole COVID thing. Because all of a sudden, I saw the entire body of Christ, and uh, the whole human race, but the body of Christ, in this trial throughout the whole earth. I knew God was really up to something, even though Satan was trying to destroy us. You begin to pray for these pastors who had to figure out, are they going to open their services? How are they going to be there? You had to pray like, gosh, Lord, how are they going to pay the bills? What are they going to do? You had to pray for your brothers and sisters who were in the hospital. You had to pray when people didn't know what was going on, not judge them. God dealt with me all that. It's like only God can show somebody if they're to, to take this thing or not. Only God can show somebody if they're to open their doors. Who are you? You know, it's pride to come marching in and tell everybody else what they have to do. It's immaturity. And so, so you get this brotherly love and instead of judging each other, you begin to pray and help them to see and help them to be changed. And that's where God has taken the church corporately through right now in this shaking. And I don't know how he did it. Isn't that cool when it's God? You know you've asked for it, but you don't really know exactly how he did it until all of a sudden you know you're different. All of a sudden I know I'm not, I'm not judging them. I want to come and help them. I'm not like, oh, you know, if they would just do this, they wouldn't be. It, all that was gone. So I know I got to that place of adding, it took a lot of time, brotherly kindness, and then add to that charity, which is love, a love feast, just being in love with the Lord, being in love with people, recognizing how important love is. God is love. You know, how important is this, this power of love? Now listen to this part. We're gonna, we'll be stopping here in a minute. This is so powerful because he tells you how to know if you're winning. He tells you how to know if you're overcoming. He tells you how to know. And so if I'm walking through trials or I'm helping others walk through trials, which thank God is what I'm doing more these days and walking through them myself because I've learned to overcome. So when they come, I, I kind of sometimes feel like those, um, those runners who have to jump those, um, 
hurdles and here comes oh they're trying to sue me whoop jump okay oh they're trying to say this about whoop jump and and so you just keep on going because you've learned to do this stuff you've really really learned you don't get into that kind of horrible fear as soon as you hear bad news you just stop and hang out with god and say okay we've overcome this before what do you want me to learn what do you want me to do how do we do this but when you're first adding all of this, which is Peter's talking to people had has finally got real faith. He's talking, okay, yeah, you finally have some faith. Now let's do this with it. And he's showing us God's way of maturing us. So it's not itchy ear preaching. Nobody's going to be, you know, um, standing in line for prayer to have patience. You might sound like, can we just skip this? How many people have been in long trials anyway? You just didn't know what to do with it. Well, it's time to get some victory. It's time to give victory. So he says here, if these things are about abounding, okay, if for these things being in you and abounding, they will make you not idle, not unfruitful, as you walk in the full knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to go and read the, the Passion Translation. Since these virtues are already planted deep within you and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. Okay. I like how he said that in that this whole thing is not about just getting that victory. God's process of causing us to become mature, causing us to become really apostolic, his process is so that we know him. His process. If we win, we come out of it knowing him. We lose fear. We, we, to, we realize to die is game. We recognize there really is a kingdom. We recognize we live eternally. Do you get what I'm saying? His process is this process of going through. And if you're not having that happen in your life, you're failing this whole thing. And you need to repent and quit murmuring and complaining and being weary and not winning and instead say okay lord i'm going to, i'm going to do this you got a canada joy scripture now we've got a scripture that tells us very specifically from an apostle who really went through some stuff and really had to mature and was powerful remember it was peter's shadow wasn't it peter's shadow that was actually healing people when he walked through the streets and wasn't it Peter who had so much power that when they lied to the presence, when he had the Holy Spirit on him and Ananias and Sapphira lied, that kind of power, they fell dead. But you have the same Peter who cut off a guy's ear and God had to heal it. You have the same Peter who, who's just so ashamed of himself. He doesn't see how God could ever, ever want him back. He, he thought it was all him. He could do it in his own strength. He found out he could not do it in his own strength. The real trials where you run into a real God and you realize how big he is, is when you can't do it and you catch on to that. But you know, if you hang on to God, he's going to do it. And he's already put all that inside of you. And so you count it all joy. You recognize this is a good fight. How many know it doesn't seem like a good fight when you first start fighting? How many know itchy ear preaching, which we're going to get into as we get into the part, the other parts, because Peter's setting all this up to help us to understand in this letter. That's why I like to read the whole letters. He's setting this up 
to give you an understanding of this is how it works, everybody. This is how it works because he's going to get over into false prophets and false teachers in the next chapter. And there weren't chapters back then it's one letter. So he's setting everything up of how this works. So if God's going to tell us how this works, how many know we need to know that? We need to understand what does that mean? We need to get in that process and realize, okay, this is how I'm going to work. This is how I'm going to work through this trial. And we're not going to run away when it's, some of you wouldn't have to have the patience part so long, except for you, you jumped out of the trial. You're not adding to your faith anymore. You just kind of walked away from it. God, God doesn't stop. He's like, no, we're going to do this. No, we're going to do this. And he will spend the rest of your life trying to get you back into winning where you've walked away. And then if you totally decide not to do it his way, you'll land in heaven and he won't say, well, done, good and faithful servant. There won't be all the rewards. He will show you all the things he had for you. He will show you how, how much would have been impacted and changed had you let his spirit lead you. He would have shown you how it could have changed other people's lives and how your decisions not to do it his way affected people. And, and there's going to be tears and he's going to wipe them away, he says. How many, I, I love that God has taught us sanctification. I love that we have taken to the altars on Tuesday because we can get rid of those tears now. And we can jump back in this faith thing and do this God's way. And we can understand him and we can know him. All these things this is talking about. Is it, to me, this is really cool that Peter would say so much right here about how this really works. This is foundational. This is the life of a true believer in Jesus Christ. Someone who's finally obtained real faith. Not pretended faith but faith that's going to mature and grow and you're going to know God. You're going to understand God. You're going to walk in his ways. He, and, and if you think you're going to love the part of your flesh dying, you are probably wrong. But if you choose to get out of the situation in your own strength and accept what the enemy wants, Holy Spirit will continue to draw you back into running the race set before you. Because he's faithful even when we're not. He knows that this is going to work for your good. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called to his purpose. And what I love about repentance is the things I did wrong in the, in the trials I've been in that hurt my kids, that hurt my husband, that hurt people in this church, I can truly repent of those, get them under the blood, keep running the race, and get to all that he has for me. Isn't he awesome? And so I'm not going to go into condemnation. I'm going to go to repentance. I'm going to run to conviction. It's going to bring me to repentance, which is going to give me a brand new start. He's going to pick me up, clean me off, and say, okay, let's keep going. Some of you tonight need God to pick you up, clean you off, and hug you and say, now let's keep going. Some of those who are watching, and I feel like the Lord really wants to do this. So Lord, we come before you and we, we stop running in the wrong direction, trying to do something in our own strength. And we quit just sitting down saying, we can't do it, I can't do it. 
But Lord, we just turn to you and we're like, okay. We want you to add these things to our faith. We want to know you. We want to understand you. We want your divine nature to burst through everything else in us. We want to overcome. We want to cheerfully endure until we have the victory. We want to get to the place of loving all the people in the body that are going through all of this. And then we want to get to the deeper place of loving everyone the way you do. We pray for our brothers and our sisters right now who are in major trials. We pray, Lord, that they would receive the grace and the peace to hold on to you, to endure, hold on to you, to go deeper in you. We thank you. You have other promises that you're going to establish them. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read this one more time. 2 Peter 1.8 Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. Lord, I thank you that when your Holy Spirit came in, every single thing we need to be close to you is inside of us. And your word says, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Lord, I ask you to heal people who are watching this, who are here, who've been hurt by relationships that were supposed to be loving and intimate. But instead, there, there was abuse. Instead, there was coldness. Instead, there was expectations. Instead, there were just things that did the opposite of making them feel loved or of them being able to love. And Lord, we just ask that you would heal that now. We just heal that right now. We choose your way, Lord. We choose what your word says. I just see the Lord, he's, he, by his spirit, he's walking up and down these aisles, and he's even walking to those who are watching. And he just wants to take the pain away where you've been abused in a relationship or misunderstood in a relationship or the one who abused because you were hurt. And I just see the Lord, this is kind of funny, but I just see him with a, like a trash bag, like a heavy-duty trash bag. And he's just walking him and he goes, just give it to me. Give to me where you were so hurt by that. Give to me where you were so afraid by that. Give to me where you thought they deserved that. Just give it all to me. I hear the Lord saying, give it all to me. Give everything to me about intimacy that was not taught to you by my spirit, that was not poured into you by people who knew me, that was not poured out of you by my spirit. Just put it in this bag. Put it in this bag. Just put it all in this bag. And I just see the Lord, and he's like, just walk into the top of this hill, and it kind of reminds me of... um. If you live in the Hampton Roads area, we have these big trash, trash hills. And he's got this big thing of trash, and he's at the top. 
And he says, now forgive everyone who hurt you when it came to intimacy or supposed to love you unconditionally. Forgive yourself where you did not pour that out. Break off all bitterness that I was wrong to create you, that I was wrong to put you in that family, that I was any way, shape, or form, says the Lord, responsible for what the enemy did to you. Just let it go. And I hear the Lord saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't know what they were doing. But now they're going to know us. They're going to understand God. They're going to understand the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to understand. And as he's holding that bag of trash, he goes, not only is this forgiven, it's forgotten as if it's never happened. And then it just disappears. And that entire trash heap of all of man's sins and all of man's shortcomings and all of the things that the enemy has been behind in your life and in the life of those around you and in the life that you've affected and the lives that affected you, it's all cleansed away by our Savior. And I just hear the Lord saying, brand new start. Let my divine nature in you bring you into all my truth. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. When I gave you life, it was the greatest gift that you could ever get because it opened the door for you to choose eternal life forever with me, says the Lord, forever with love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience, forever whole, forever full of joy, forever full of peace. From one adventure to the next, you are mine forever. So Lord, we just speak healing over every person watching this, every person here. And Lord, we thank you for giving us faith and taking us on this journey to love. Because love never fails. Perfect love casts out fear. You are love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. 
And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 